Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is a message Tom Job gave on Sunday morning, February 13th, 2022 from Acts chapter 27. Hey guys, I wanted to read to you guys out of, this comes from the book of Acts chapter um, 27. And... um, this is like the third week to talk about this and um, about a storm that lasted two weeks. So I'm just calling it three weeks and a two-week storm. But, but, so, but it was just this, like the Apostle Paul, like he, he was wanting, he was, God told him that he was going to make it to Rome. So he was on this um, cargo ship and it just, they got into this terrible storm and it said, it was his 12th trip on a ship and his, the fourth time that he was going to land in the water before they landed on land. So I don't know how he got on these. But on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard and neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And the storm continued raging. And we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And after they had gone a long time, Without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail for Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, like take courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Because last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, don't be afraid, Paul, you must stand before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, guys, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Lord, help us to understand this. And um, I just wanna be like this guy I always have. I just, there are things about him that I wish I had, and I want to have a heart and a mind like his. Help us to understand how to be brave. We're all going to need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So so that's, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of got stuck on this thing because I just thought, like, 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 Paul was so brave. And, like, how do you be brave when you need to be brave? And so, so there's a... Um, I got thinking this week, there's a chapter in the letter to the Hebrews, which was a letter written to people who loved Jesus, but who were needing to be brave because their life was getting very difficult. And there's one whole chapter that it's about people that were super brave, like chapter 11, and kind of like superheroes of their faith. And how do you get to be that way? And so I got this, well, so I kind of got this theory And I started to look it up, and it kind of turned out to be true. I started to ask myself, like, um, where did Superman come from? Like, Like, where did superheroes come from? And I learned so much about him. Um, Superman, like at the beginning, he couldn't fly. I don't know if you know that, but he couldn't fly. But he could just jump because he was on the gravity of, like, Krypton. And so he could just, like, jump super far and... I thought if he had been in the Winter Olympics, he would have won like pretty much everything that you have to like the half pipe, you know, you just like, like he would never, never like Superman, the figure skater, shoot. I mean, like he would do like a 27, like 
Lutz, whatever Lutz is, for that, of that step. And then he could fly, but eventually he could fly millions of times faster than the speed of light. And Albert Einstein said, no, no, he could not. But they said, yes, he could, but he never could fly as fast as the flash. But he was strong enough to carry a book of infinite pages. So I, that is one of the things, like it, it totally said that he had super the power of super He didn't breathe air or um, because he just lived on solar energy or something like that. But he had the power of super ventriloquism, which I thought that would be so cool. Like if you were at the Lincoln Memorial and just have like Abraham Lincoln telling people to pick their litter up, you know, that would be so, so awesome. But he didn't, he was a, at one point a vegetarian. His favorite movie was To Kill a Mockingbird. His middle name was Joseph. And the S, all of his girlfriends had Lois Lane, Lana Lang, Lori Lamaris, they all were LL for some reason. And the S on his shirt did not stand for Superman. It stood for the kryptonite word for hope. How about, although I did say there was a cartoon one time and it was like a far side cartoon and it showed like Clark Kent, he had retired and everything. They were sitting in their living room and it said after his retirement, the Kents were having a little tension in their relationship and she was darning his cape and where it had the S, she had cross-stitched T-U-P-I-D, which I thought was <laughs> amazing. But so, but I thought, so Superman, but basically Superman came from, it was these two kids in Cleveland Ohio and Superman was originally evil. He had telepathic powers and he was evil. But then when it became obvious that like the that Nazi Germany was getting stronger and stronger and we were going people were going to have to go into a period where they were brave. And that's why they came up with Superman, like somebody who could show you how to be brave. But I thought no, because if you have superpowers you're not brave, you're just self-aware. Like if you, if somebody can punch you in the face and you know it's not gonna bother you like one bit, but they're gonna break every finger they have, it's like punch away, like, you know. Or is there, you know, those like gangsters in New York, in Gotham City with their little Tommy guns, you know, and they shoot you and it's just gonna bounce off your chest. You're not brave at that point, like you're just, you know what I mean? But so I was thinking about the people in Hebrews chapter 11, like, cause he's talking about people who had, who were very, very brave. And, but they did have a superpower and the superpower. And if you get this superpower, you're going to be, you can be brave too when you need to be brave. But they, um, they had the power to see the invisible. Like, so it says in chapter, like right at the beginning of verse one, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction or certainty of things that you can't see. And it said that like, like Enoch pleased God, because if you're going to please God, you have to believe that he is. Even if you can't see him, you believe that. And then like Moses, so Moses did something very brave. And if you, so if you're, if you walk with Jesus, there are going to be times in your life that you're going to have to be brave. There's times in everybody's life that, I mean, w when you were born, if you knew that was going to happen, you would have had to be brave to do it. I mean, you know what I mean? So when you, ex like if you accept Jesus, sometimes that's a step where you have to be very brave to do that. Um, when you die, you have to be brave. Like if, because nobody can do it for you. You have to do it by yourself. I remember the, um, the man who taught me so 
so much about Jesus. Pastor Stuckey, one time, he had gone to see somebody in the hospital, somebody who loved Jesus, and they didn't, they only had like only days to live. And I said, how was, how was she? And he said, she's not gonna die today. And I said, how do you know that? And he said, because she doesn't have the grace to do it. God, she's afraid. And um, God hasn't yet given her the courage to do it. And then he went to see her in a couple of days and she, he said, I think she'll die tonight. She's not afraid anymore. And she did. But there, so, but like you're, you have to be brave to conf, like, to confess, like to confess some, something. If you're seeking someone's forgiveness, you have to be brave to do that. To tell someone, I've done this and I need you to forgive me. You have to be brave to confide something with someone seeking their helpfulness, like their, you, their help. I need to tell you something about myself because I think you could help me. I'm stuck or I'm addicted or... Um, you have to be brave to confront someone who needs it because you're seeking their brokenness and like their restoration. And so Moses had to confront the most powerful person in the world. And he did it because he saw him who was invisible. And just to know that all around you there are realities that are working in your favor, like for your protection, for your help, for your security. And like, so, so like when, when, uh, I mean, one time I was, so I was with a couple of guys and we were on a trip. This was in 1995. We lived in Italy then and they were going on a trip through Bosnia when there was a war in Bosnia. So we went, so they asked me if I would go and I went with them. And then, and there was one day, this was like the fourth day. We were going to, we were going around from a place called Mostar, around Sarajevo and up to a place called Tuzla. And we went through this mountain pass, it took about an hour and 15 minutes. And then we were on a, on a, like a, like a big plateau for a, for a few hours. And we didn't see anybody on that road. It was a main road for about 45 minutes. And Lou said, you know what that means? And I said, what? He said, that means this road is known for having bandits on it. And I said, what does that mean? It means, it, he said, it means like you go over a hill or go around a curve, there may be seven to 20 people with big machine guns in the middle of the road. And best case scenario, they take your car and everything you have and leave you standing in your sock and feet by the side of the road. Worst case scenario, they leave you lying by the side of the road. And I said, what do we do when that happens? He said, we do this. And he had a cassette tape. It was just praise music about the Lord is a warrior, and da da da. And he plugged it in. And he said, "And we sing, and that's what we did. You know, just singing the, singing as loud as we could about how Jesus was all around us and that He was protecting us." But it, so like Paul, so Paul, the Apostle Paul, he just was like he was so brave. Like he was brave in the in the storm when everybody else was freaking out, even though it lasted like two weeks. And so I've been asking myself, how did he do that? How could he be the only person that was brave in a scary situation? And like the very first. Um, so one thing I thought of was, one, he was a missionary. So he was a, push, a person who had given all of his life to Jesus. Like everything, all of my life, all of my time, all of myself, it belongs to you. So whatever I go through, I don't lose anything because I've already given it up anyway. So everything, you know, that when I first accepted Jesus in California in this church in Palo Alto, California, and that behind the, where the 
pastors would talk. There was a scripture. It was the first scripture that I ever learned by memory. And it's, it came from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it said, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And it was like it, it, like it stamped itself on my brain, like the idea that one of the basic fundamental, the first idea I ever learned about Jesus was that he kind of owns you, like he owns me. So people that I've always known in my life, like people that, not people I've known, but people that have always been my heroes, they've always had that. Like they were people that were brave and they did super brave things. And I've always liked, I want to be like this, but I, you know what I mean? And I tried to understand them. And that was a thing that they had was that they had given their life to God and it, it didn't belong to them anymore. Their body didn't belong to them, their time, their money, their nothing, their plans. It all belonged to him. So one of the people that was like my super biggest heroes, like when I first accepted Jesus was a guy named Jim Elliott, who Jim Elliott and his wife Elizabeth were missionaries in Ecuador. And he went with five other guys. Um, they were going to reach these people who were like, that they didn't live in civilization, like they lived in the jungle and they were like Stone Age people and they were super, super violent. And every contact they had ever had with the outside world, they had killed them always with these spears that they could throw and they killed each other. And it was just like, they were called the, the they were known as the Alcas, but that was a, that was a name that was kind of a, um, a disparaging name. It, it kind of meant savages, but they were called the Walrani people. But, and so they wanted to reach them for Jesus. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, who was a pilot, and his, and his wife Marge, and uh, Raj O'Deary, and Pete Fleming, and, um, and, and a guy named Jim McCauley. And they had, some of them had known each other in college, but anyway. And the groups, they worked for different mission organizations, and they didn't even tell them they were doing this. It was a secret that they were gonna reach these people, and they made contact with them by flying over in the Cessna that belonged to Nate Saint, and then they landed on this beach. And on January the 6th, it was 1955, the Walrani people came, so a group of Walrani men and women came and speared them all to death. But Jim, so, but Jim Elliott kept a journal, a lot, like lots of journals, and he wrote lots of stuff in them, and, uh, so and he so this is in his journal he said he said this um, God I pray that you would light these idle sticks of my life I want to burn up for thee consume my life my God for it is thine I seek not a long life but a full one like yours Lord Jesus and at that time his wife Elizabeth said it was popular for students at Wheaton to read the writings of a 17th century English scholar named Matthew Henry, and Matthew Henry, and she thinks that's where he got it, but Matthew Henry one time was writing about his dad, who used to say he is no fool who parts with that which he cannot keep, when he is sure to be recompensed with that which he cannot lose. And on October 28, 1949, Jim Elliott had written in his journal, he's no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And Elizabeth, she, she had met a, a young girl one time. She lived in New Jersey, but their home always had like a lot of missionaries. It was a girl named Betty Scott, who had grown up in China and was a student at Wheaton and had spent an evening in their house. She wound up marrying another student named John Stamm, 
And they went back to China. Actually, Betty went first, and then he finished up his school, and he went to China. They got married, and they had a baby. And they were in a village one time when Mao Zedong was taking over China, and they were captured. They were taken to another village where, um, where they were killed. John and Betty Stan were in 1933. But when she was at Elizabeth Elliot's home, she shared with her a prayer that she prayed every day. And Elizabeth Elliot carried it in her Bible every day. Lord, I give up all my plans and purposes, all of my desires and hopes. I accept thy will for my life. I give myself, my will, my all, utterly to thee, to be thine forever. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt. Work out thy whole will for my life at any cost, now and forever. And I mean, that's where those people come from. But so, but there was another thing. So Paul had another thing. But one of the things that I do believe that he had was he had that superpower of seeing that which was invisible. Maybe it wasn't even invisible to him because he told them, like when he was telling these people, like, keep up your courage. Like they were in the storm, you know, it lasted two weeks and it was just like it was a typhoon. It said, it says in the Greek that they were snatched up by this storm. So they were just trying to go 40 miles. They wound up going 700 miles all the way, almost to Italy. So it turned out to be good in the end. But then, so, but everybody was freaking out. And he said, don't be afraid. Everybody take courage. I'm not afraid because an angel of the Lord appeared to me and said, that we're going to be all right. And it's just, oh, oh, there's that. Like there's there, there's that, oh, an angel. Yeah, like an angel. Like Paul was probably like, they were probably all sleep deprived. And this angel appeared. And he's like, you're not sleep deprived? He's like, no, I don't do that. It's like, you know, and they were probably all throwing up and, you know, had been throwing up for two weeks. And this angel saw like, he's super awesome. Paul's like, you're not sick to your stomach? Nah, we don't do that. You know, but they, um, but he just told him he was going to. So there's this idea of like there's invisible realities. There's invisible beings. Like there's angels everywhere. Like they're, they're, they're always free. Whenever angels appear, like in, in Italy in churches, angels are always flying babies. And it's like, no, no. Like if you go into church, the ceiling is always flying babies. And you're like, Burp. but um, flying undiapered babies. No, no, that would not be good. Um, that would not be heaven. That would not be heaven. But welcome to heaven. Here's your umbrella. But, but uh, why do I need an umbrella? Don't worry about it. You'll need it. But, the, but um, the angels are always freaking people out. Like when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, you know, and just like, and she hadn't yet said yes to this pregnancy because, which is a good thing because you should not scare women in their first trimester. But, and when an angel appeared in the book of judges, you know, to these two people. And then, and it just, they were terrified and it went up in a flame, in a, like a fire they had started, like flu powder. It just went up and it freaked them out. And in, in Daniel chapter 10, there was an, an angel with eyes like lightning and just, it freaked Daniel out. And when the angels appeared to the soldiers, when Jesus was risen, they, they were just terrified. Like there were, but angels are like, there's thousands and thousands. There's divisions of them. They have commanders. We know from the Bible of, of Michael and Gabriel and the, um, those angels, Jewish literature says that the seven archangels are Raquel, Raphael, Rimiel, Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, and Seraquel. So there you go. But if you're on Jeopardy, you know that one. So the, but they, um, 
And they were, they're called the mighty armies, the army of God. There was a place where Daniel had to go attack the Philistines. And, the, and, and God said to him, wait in this clump of balsa trees. When you hear the sound of marching in the top of the trees, that's when you go. They were the, they're gods. There was an angel in 2 Kings chapter 19 that killed by himself 185,000 people. So when Jesus was going to be arrested in the Olive Grove of Gethsemane, and they were trying to do some resistance, and, and he said, don't, I, if I wanted to, I could call 12 legions. That's 72,000 angels. It's enough angels to kill 13 billion, 320 million people. So, you know, but to think, like, if, it, to think that they protect you, like they're, they help you in ways you don't understand. They're everywhere. Have you thought about that? Like, I mean, this week, have you thought about that? You have invisible help from mighty servants all week long. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, I'm not doing anything about it. But as Tevia said, after 25 years, it's nice to know. You know what I mean? But like to think about it. So here's another, another invisible reality. Like, but to, to, be, to, think, to know that Almighty God is in control of everything that happens in this world. Like everything that happens, every molecule. He is the Lord God. He's in control of all of it. It's, do you think about that? Like, that's an invisible reality. In Daniel chapter 4, somebody who was made super aware of that said he does what he wants to in heaven above and on earth beneath. And no one can stop his hand or say to him, what do you think you're doing? Paul said he works out everything according to the decision of his own will. He's in, like, he run, and when you read the, when you watch the news, that's why the news scares people so much, because it's just like, they're just talking about the visible, and they'll say an asteroid that comes close to Earth every 130 years is coming closer than it's ever come close to Earth, and if it hits the Earth, if there were any dinosaurs, it would kill them, and the, it, the, ch the chances are one in 83 billion that it might. And you wake up at night thinking, but there is a chance. You know what I mean? But it's like, but it, God is over like all of it. Like he's sovereign over all of it. And so it's Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, you who, who, who speak, who speak to Zion and who bring to Zion good news, not just news, but good news. Behold your God, the invisible God, is over all of it, over all that happens. And it's your, it's your God is in control of everything. Nothing is out of control. And your God is the one that he spoke about in Isaiah chapter 9. A child is born, a son is given, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Mighty God who is in control of every molecule of this universe is is. It's Jesus. There's God the Father, Jesus, God the Son. Jesus was and is Almighty God, which also means that Almighty God was and is Jesus. God is love. Jesus, 
just was just living love when he was here. The God of love, love itself is in control of everything that happens. When Jesus, like in the gospels, when Jesus would see someone who was oppressed or someone who was struggling, it says he was, he was moved with compassion. I was talking to my prison guys the other day and we're talking about the gospel of John chapters 13 through 16. And so the gospel of John, he uses the word uh, world about 40 times in the gospel of John. In chapters one through 12, he uses the word love six times. In chapter 13 through 16, he uses it 30 times. And he said, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go into this world and love. And it's like, well, what is love? One of the guys said, what do you mean by love? Like, how would you define it? And they used the word agape. It wasn't an invented word, but it was like a reconditioned word, kind of a word that they had, but they didn't really use it. And they said, whatever Jesus did, that's what it is. Whatever Jesus felt, that's what it is. When he felt compassion, the word compassion, it, the Greek word is the word splonknot. It has to do with your intestines, just like to feel deep inside of you when somebody is struggling or having a difficult time. It's used 12 times in the New Testament. Nine times it's used to Jesus and three times it's used of stories that Jesus told about the way he felt about people. It's that and he, he is the one who rules this, un every molecule of this universe is ruled by love. And you think, well, what about stuff like global warming? What about climate? What about climate change? He's in control of all of the weather, of the sun, of the snow, of the heat, of the rain. It says a lot of times in the prophets that sometimes he'll turn the temperature up. In, in Amos chapter 4, it says that God will turn the temperature up. And it'll, it was supposed to rain three months ago. It's all the rain we get, and it didn't come. And whole towns would dry up because he was moving people to repent of their neglect of the poor and their ne negligence of the oppressed of the world. What if everybody, what if there was a movement of national and global repentance about climate change? I haven't heard anybody suggest it, but it wouldn't hurt you know, but, and sometimes it says in Lamentations chapter three, that is it not from the mouth of the Lord that both good things and calamities come? It says in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, in the day of prosperity rejoice, in the day of adversity remember the Lord has made the one as well as the other. And you think, well, what's up with that? And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I don't know why things happened, but I do know that this universe is ruled by the God of love, the God who is love. And it's a long game and it's a long plan, but it's about love. And, I, and, and, and Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and Roger Udarian and Pete Fleming and Jim McCauley, they were all murdered. They were killed by people that they were trying to love. What's up with that? I don't know what's up with that, but I do know this, that Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife and a three-year-old daughter and Nate Saint's sister went back to those people about three years later and they told them about Jesus Christ and they came to know Jesus. There was, there was a guy named Minkai who had killed the pilot, the Cessna pilot, Nate Saint, who became the sweetest, 
Elizabeth Elliot said he was so joyful, so sweet, he was goofy. And he baptized Stephen Saint when he was seven. The man who had speared his father to death baptized his son in the jungle on that beach, on the site where he had speared his father to death. And Steve's saying he grew up to be an anthropologist and sometimes he would bring Minkai to America. They always laughed when he went back home to the jungle because he had gained like 40 pounds from like the junk that he ate when he was here. But he said, it's, America's awesome. There's this view, there's a, like a car, it's like a box and it moves by itself. The way they hunt is you drive, you stop, you put this paper through a window and they give you food. That's how you do it, it's so amazing. But one time they were at a conference in Amsterdam and I was gonna go to it, but unless I didn't, but it was in 1989. And there were 4,000 people who were missionaries in the developing world or nationals who were working in the developing world. And Billy Graham had paid for all of them to come to Amsterdam just for a time of freshmen and stuff. And Steve Saint was there with Minkai and they were going to speak together and then but the person that was, that was introducing them said, if, if your decision to serve, to leave your country or to leave your profession, to serve Jesus and tell people about Jesus was influenced or inspired by the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and the others and what they did, Steve Saint's dad, would you stand? And a few people stood, and mostly you could just hear murmuring, but what you were hearing was that question being translated into almost 30 languages. And as people understood the question, they began to stand. And before they were done, three of the 4,000 people were standing. If I had been there, I would have stood. One night, Elizabeth Elliot said that she, she said, when she was in the jungle and she was talking to Minkai one day and he just out of the blue just told her what happened on that beach and how he had killed Nate Saint and how the others were killed. And he said, we didn't know God. We lived thoughtlessly. We didn't think about God. We don't live that way now. Anyway, they, she had gone to bed kind of pensively and she was in her hammock. And Minkai's, his hammock was near hers. They all kind of slept in hammocks nearby. And he said, out of the, into the darkness, Jikari, and that's what they called her. And she said, huh? And he said, you are my younger sister. Are you then my older brother, she asked. Yes, I am your older brother, said Minkai, and your mother is my mother. I call her mother. Your father is my father. Your brothers and sisters are my own brothers and sisters. Will you tell them that? Will you tell them about me? Will you tell them that I call them my family? She said, yes, I will. So, oh, I thought, what's the third thing? This is the greatest thing ever. Oh, that Jesus is, I mean, the God who rules this universe is right here. Like he's right with you. He's here with us. Like he's, he's risen. Not only does he rule the universe, but he's risen. And you can just call him. Like if you need him and you say, help me. 
and he'll help me. You know, I was reading the other day, like, so the Earth spins at about 770 miles an hour, and it's going around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And the solar system is spinning at 519,000 miles an hour, and the Milky Way is spinning at 480,000 miles an hour. So if you wake up in the morning and you're a little bit sick to your stomach, that's why. But if you, but if you just said, help me, he'll help you right, right there to help you. Jesus risen from the dead. It's an invisible reality. The love rules this universe. Angels are everywhere. And he's right beside you. And you could ask him to help you. And so, okay, so this is, this, so I'm a little bit over, but um, this is, but, okay, so I, I need two more minutes. But, um, so when, when, when the Apostle Paul, whenever he prayed for people, in the New Testament, it's always for like a mental or emotional, God, give them joy. He didn't, he didn't pray about the kind of stuff we prayed. Give them joy to the Philippians. Give peace to the Thessalonians. Um, give, fill, tell them that you love them to the Ephesians. But one thing that struck me was he never prayed that people would have courage. It was always joy, peace, or a feeling of love. And when Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to people, that's what they felt. They felt joy, like the two people on the road to Emmaus. Didn't our heart burn within us? And he appeared to them in the room and said, my peace I give you. And he appeared to a woman named Mary and said, Mary. And she just felt love, joy, peace, and love. Because if you, if you have the joy of knowing that Jesus has risen, peace, knowing that he's with you, love, knowing that he's right there with you, and he's loving you. That's what courage is made of. And if you have those knowing that he's, you'll have it. The invisible reality. Can I tell you one thing? So what if you have a thing and you feel like, I just don't, I guess angels are helping me. I don't see it. You know, one thing that Minkai told Elizabeth Elliot, and he also told Stephen Saint in 19, about 1994, they had never talked about what happened. But he said, above the trees, when we were killing you, we saw these beings, and they were like light. They were like gigantic lightning bugs, but they didn't blink. And they, we thought they were chanting, but when your sister played a recording of the Wheaton College Choir, we realized they were singing. Anyway, help us, Lord, to have this superpower, to see the invisible, to know, to know we have help, to know, by this, Paul, by this, the scriptures say, the ancients were commended because they had the faith to believe in the invisible God, love, the God of love, in control of everything, the risen Jesus right here with us, never alone, never. Somebody's going to need to be brave this week. Help them to believe they're not alone. Too much.